Welcome to the Creative College Journey Podcast, the place to help raise awareness on the many pathways to a creative life and education and how college might be a part of it. Because it's not where you go to school, but how you go to school that counts. Hosted by professional creative and college expert, Scott Barnhart, who is chatting with a variety of guests who have some amazing lived experiences from different universities, majors, and creative industry interests. And we hope by hearing their stories, it might help give you some inspiration to find your own creative college journey. I am thrilled to welcome and have a conversation with my next guest today, the incomparable Ms. Bella Arnold. I've known Bella as a former student of mine from the Orange County School of the Arts Musical Theater Conservatory when I joined as the director of the program her junior year. And as I told her when I asked her to be a guest on the show, her journey through a higher education has been one that has delighted and inspired me to no end, especially knowing how it all started and the mindset where she was and where she is now. Bella Arnold is a journalist who is currently earning her master's degree at UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. Currently, she is a data reporter for the California Reporting Project at the Investigative Reporting Program, where she investigates police use of force and misconduct in California. Absolutely, Bella. Absolutely. Previously, she earned her BA from Cal State University Long Beach, where she was editor-in-chief of Dig Mag, an insider's guide to Long Beach for the Cal State Long Beach community. And I'm plugging this. Bella did not write this, but she is also a wickedly talented musical theater performer and vocalist. And she has one of my favorite vocal performances I've ever directed. Her rendition of So What Happens Now in Evita was Joni Mitchell stylistic perfection. She's shaking her head right now going like, what? Stop it. Bella loves writing stories about books and people experiencing joy. And in her free time, Bella likes to read. Like literally, she's the most voracious reader I think I know. And she watches rom-coms and pines for the 22 West Freeway. Welcome to the Creative College Journey, Bella Arnold. Damn, that was so nice. We got to start right. We got to start right. <laughs> I'm so excited. Bella, I'm, I just want to start off with like getting a little quick update. Um, where are you at right now? How are you doing? Like literally, how are you right now? And maybe a little insight of how you currently identify as a creative and how maybe that relates to your life at Berkeley. Yeah, well, I mean, like you mentioned, I am at Berkeley right now. I'm in my first year of a two-year master's program in journalism. Recently, I come from the magazine world, but I've been doing a lot of investigative work, like you mentioned, in the California Reporting Project, which is like crazy. Like I kind of applied for the bit because I was like, oh, I don't know anything about investigative work. Like I've, I know how to, you know, do public records requests and absolutely love it. So weird that I do, but I love it which is like not a very creative process, um, but it's like very rigid in the sense that like you're literally looking at data and also like we're reading police reports and stuff. Like it's not fun work to do, but it's important work to do. And I, I don't know, I really fell in love with it, which is weird because like I am a literary beat reporter and culture reporter. So I, I don't know how we got here, but I guess it's not like the most creative thing, but it's a very like invigorating things. So yeah, it's kind of what I'm doing mostly in addition to my studies. That's incredible. I like, and I feel like there's always creativity in any form of research because you're, you're searching for the answer or you're like, I would presume like reading between the lines and trying to find out like, oh, yeah. what the story is. I, I just, I love that that's where you're at right now in Berkeley, no less. Too. It was like so random, but I like I just applied and I was like, I'm not going to get it. And then I did, you know, thank God. And then it's been like super cool. My boss, my bosses are amazing. It's a team of women. Amazing. That. Um, so, oh, yeah. Amazing. Great. All right. So let's let's get into it. This is all about college applications, how people got to where they are. So I like I said, I worked with you back in the day working on some of your college applications and you did a really interesting thing. Because right down the middle of your list, you applied to half really competitive BFA musical theater programs, mostly out of state, and then the other half really competitive academic pre-law programs all in-state in California. So can you give us a little insight of like that decision process and maybe what brought you to Cal State Long Beach? Yeah, I don't know. I think like growing up, 
I don't know if this is still a thing, but like we did the star testing and the benchmark testing growing up. And I always scored really high on those. So like being academic, like became my personality trait because like I was, you know, I liked reading always growing up. And then I was like good at those things. You know, I've always liked academia and like academics, but um, I kind of never like really had like one passion. Like I grew up doing ballet. I liked it. I wasn't great at it. I knew I wasn't going to pursue that. And the musical theater, I like really enjoyed the satisfaction that like I knew I was pretty good at it. So I was like, oh, yeah, I could see that being something I want to do. But it was never like I never was fully in it because I was like the thought of having to like go on auditions all the time and like not have job security was like gave me like stress pimples. But um, yeah, so I kind of my mom's an immigrant and I always wanted to find a way to like give back to the community that like raised me quite literally. So I was like, OK, I can see myself being an immigration attorney. Again, not that I like really had a passion for it, but I was like, I'll make a lot of money. <laughs> and also, like, I, I think that there is value sure. in that, obviously, especially if the justice system is what it is. Um, and then the other half, I was like, well, I could do the musical theater thing. And I think that there was a lot of emphasis at OSHA from admin to like go to college for the things that you were studying at OSHA. So I was just like, I don't know that I want to put all my eggs in either basket. So I was like, I'll just, you know, apply to like the best of the best programs. Like I applied for Michigan, Carnegie, um, other places. UCLA was like the big one I wanted to go to. I think Elon and Emerson. I think that was it. And it was five. And it was like five of the, the most competitive one. But I don't know. I kind of was just like trying to be pragmatic about it. But I was very like emotionally detached from it, which I think was like the root of, you know, where my issue started that I was like I'm okay at musical theater and I'm okay in the academic sense and like I'm sure I'll find my way in one of these things and like I'll let the decisions decide for me um and kind of was very like clinical in my approach to that and thought that that would just like shake out the way I wanted it to it didn't spoiler alert (laughs) um but yeah I don't know I never really I know a lot of people had like the big urge to like get away and like be on their own but like I never really had that I lived at home for most of my college career i'm very close with my family and like i love california i'm a big socal girl being in berkeley is like too far for me but yeah so i never like for the schools where i was like being more pragmatic i was like i want to be in california and then Castle long beach was like super random i was like my dad went there other family members went there long beach is cool like it was like a very common thing for people who lived like where we lived to go to Cal State long beach and it's like a great school but i was just kind of like it was like a throwaway application and there was no essay so Yeah, that was kind of my, like, thought process for the college journey. And then, you know, we'll get into how it ended up. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe let's 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 dig into it because I am I am curious, like, you know, I brought you here specifically because you had such an interesting response in that spring. I remember your response in the spring and there was a lot of really heightened emotions in and around the decision making and where you were going to go and who had said yes and who had said no. So like, take us back to 17-year-old Bella. You had done all the applications and the letters started coming back. What was going through your mind and what sort of made you make decisions that you made? I mean, I was devastated when things started coming back. Like I tasted blood for like three months. It was, it was, it was not a good time for 17-year-old Bella. And I think like part of what was so devastating to me is that it was like, well, you know, for context, I didn't get into any of the musical theater schools I applied to. I applied to those five and like I knew it was like, you know, a fat chance, I guess, just like in terms of statistics. But I was like, you know, I went to OSHA, like I prepped a lot for this. I did the boot camp. I like spent a lot of time on my pre-screens. I passed all my pre-screens. So that was like, you know, not for lack of effort. But I was expecting to get like at least waitlisted yeah. into one school. And I didn't. I just got like straight up rejected from all five. And I kind of like, like I said, I took a really clinical approach to like making my decisions. I started making spreadsheets my freshman year and I think started going to the counselor. Uh, like, I don't remember who my counselor was, but yeah. like to talk about college freshman year, I was 14 years old and I was like, so in three years, I'm going to have a big decision. You know, all of this, like it was like hours of effort that I had put into like being like, oh, well, this is like a reach school, but like, is it really a reach school? Because I was, you know, conceited and I didn't get into any of them. And like the one that stung the most was UCLA because people were willing to kill at those auditions. People were willing to like do what it took to get into those schools. I never like not even an ounce of it. Like I was like, I prepped for this a lot. I put in the work, but I don't like care 
about this, which I think was, you know, a big issue. But I don't know. I think like when it started coming back, I was like, oh, my God, I did not think I would be emotional over this. But I think part of it was because I didn't think it would turn out the way that it did. I thought I was going to get into UCLA. I thought I was going to live with my besties. We were going to dorm together and then like get an apartment. I was going to come home on the weekends and have lunch with my brothers. And that didn't happen. It was like a complete loss for me. And I I've never told you this, but we had a Vita rehearsal the day after the UCLA auditions or decisions came out. And I like told Kira to tell you that I had like a stomach ache or something. And I skipped rehearsal because I was like so emotionally devastated. I was like, I cannot do this right now. And I got acrylics that day. That was like my six. <laughs> and for the first time, they were so ugly. That was the treat. That was the was acrylics. Yeah I, yeah, I was like, maybe that'll help. And I like it sure didn't because it was like a complete loss of who I was. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do now. Um, and I didn't get into a lot of the uh, law programs I applied to either because I didn't really like look into those programs. I was like, these schools are good. They're close. I'm sure the law program is going to be fine, too. Um, and at the end, I got into Cal State Long Beach for pre-law. I think Whittier College. I think I was also pre-law there. University of San Francisco, also pre-law. And I got a pretty big scholarship from them, but it's San Francisco and it's a private school. So it was like yep. bonkers expensive. Um, and then I got waitlisted Loyola Marymount, also pre-law. And I was like, I don't want to go to any of these schools. I'm not excited about any of these programs. Like, everybody's getting into these, like, amazing schools. Everybody's getting into, like, Ivy Leagues and, like, UCs. And, like, I felt so bad that, like, my best prospect was a Cal State. I was like, oh, my God, my life is over. This 4.0 GPA for what? Um, yeah, so it was not a good time for me. And I kind of just, like, made the decision because I was like, I really can't afford University of San Francisco and like even if I take loans like I don't want to do that I don't want to have to like I you know I'm very proud I graduated without any loans from Cal State Long Beach. Did you hear that folks folks did we, did we hear that <laughs> she graduated from undergrad without any debt or loans. I had a little money left over which was like you know kind of a oh, serve. That's a um, win I mean in in these yeah. fields in journalism yeah. and creative arts and acting whatever like to be in the black is to have flexibility, to have power, to have freedom, really. Oh, that's huge, Bella. Yeah. So I was like, at the time, I was like, journalism was not anywhere on my radar, like not even a little bit. And I, I liked reading growing up. I really liked writing growing up, too. But that was always something where I was like, I can't see myself like pursuing that. I like it's fun. So why would that be something that I do <laughs> as a career? Yeah, no, so I had no reason to believe I'd be even a little bit good at journalism, but I just decided to go to Long Beach because it was like a pragmatic decision. I was like, you know, as much as I like was kind of mourning it when I made that decision, which is like so privileged and bratty to say looking back, but I really was. I was like, I do not want to go to this school. Like my dad went here, like everybody goes here. There's going to be people from middle school that I went to middle school with who are also going here. Like that sucks. Which, again, it's a fantastic school. It's, like, one of the best Cal States. And, like, the Cal State system is, like, one of the best public it, systems in the country. And, and it's like, that. It's, like, it's an incredible institution that has so much going for it. That has so... And then you add the price point to all that it has going for it. It's, like, wild. But I just... I, I love going back because you're actually the example. And I, I hate to bring you on to be the example of, like, you had the worst case scenario. I did. It was of like those, a nightmare. Of those, you know, and I talk a lot with clients of like, okay, if your worst case scenario is you get zero acceptances from your musical theater programs or what insert creative major here, what do you do? And again, you bring up that topic. And for a lot of 16, 17, 18 year olds, it's like literally the earth, you know, separates and a hole like takes you down into the center of the earth. It's really, it feels really hot to, um, to students. But if they can wrap their mind around that their worst case scenario actually isn't bad. In fact, in many ways, it's pretty amazing. They can get a little bit of that context moving into this decision making. You know, usually there can be a little less torment. but it's hard to, it's hard when you're going through it in real time. And you were going through it oh. in real freaking time. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it definitely like I look back and I'm like, I don't know. I think I need to like give myself a little grace because I'm like, that was so bratty to be upset about getting into Cal State Long Beach and like committing to Cal State Long Beach, especially when it ended up being this like wonderful thing. Um, like it's a predominantly Latino school. You know, that was huge for me. I don't, I don't think I had gone to a school with, 
like really other marginalized people, period, since elementary school. Like I went to a predominantly white middle school and I can be so imagine that. Um, and then, you know, OSHA, I think, I don't know if OSHA is predominantly white, but it felt very predominantly. I don't know that, I mean, for, uh, for Mid-Orange County, it is certainly one of the more diverse schools because it brings in so many people yeah. into, but I, I, I don't think it's a, it's a stretch to say it's predominantly white. Yeah. It was, all my friends were white. I, like, I, there was, like, I think maybe, like, a handful of Latinos in my year, because when we did our capstone, like, projects that somebody had in the Heights. And we all got tapped to do. I was like, I have, I have no connection to this. Like, I don't care for In the Huts. I mean, it's like a good show, but I was like, I'm not gonna do this well. But um, you know, what are the options? Um, and yeah, so that was kind of like a thing that I wasn't foreseeing being important to me. But I think like as I go into journalism and just get older, and like you know the world we're living in, it like was really important that I went to that school. I think, and like that, I was surrounded by other Latinos. There was a lot of non-traditional students, a lot of, uh, you know, undocumented students. I think it was just, like, important to be in a space that was very different from the places I wanted to go, to be frank. Like, it was, I think, some of the smartest people and some of the most hardworking people I met during my three years at Cal State Long Beach, like, have changed the way that I look at journalism, changed the way I look at the world, like, made me a lot more grateful, made me a lot more cognizant of the privilege I have. And it's just, like, I think that was very important. But at the time, I was just like, you know, it's a school that everybody from my middle school is going to go to. And that sucks. And it's not a musical theater school. And like they have programs that I could have done theater if I wanted to. But I was like, it's not for me. It's not enough uh, like prestige to warrant me doing that, you know. And I think that that's also not maybe a good mindset to have. But I was like, that's where I'm at. And it sucks. And I was very upset about it for a very long time. That's so interesting that ultimately it wasn't even necessarily exactly about the art form, but about the prestige connected to the art form or prestige connected to an institution. And and it's like, I so empathize with you, Bella, because that's literally, you know, in many ways, sort of what I experienced. I applied to five schools and I did not get into my top too. I didn't get into NYU or Carnegie Mellon. And I was crestfallen, did a whole dramatic interpretive <laughs> dance in my acting class about it. Like, yeah, got, got acrylic. Uh, yeah. If only, if only I had gotten acrylics, maybe that would have helped. Yeah. But I, I, I will say I went to this, you know, I went to my safety school, quote unquote. I went to Wagner and, and I wasted the better part of a year in sort of the harumph, I, this isn't NYU, cut to, you know, when I really look back at my life in that moment, my family and I could not have afforded NYU. And Wagner had offered me this giant scholarship that made it totally affordable for us. I performed so much at Wagner. I still got to make that transition to New York. Like, there were so many reasons why Wagner was the far more optimum space for me. But it took a solid year before I could really understand that. And to me, I always go like, man, what a waste. Like, I wish I could have let go of some of that ego and just gone to school and enjoyed it. And, you know, we get there. We get there when we get there. And it sounds like you did as well. But I I so empathize with that, that mindset piece of the 17, 18 year old who's like, I know what I want, but there's so much more that's out there for you that could also work for you. We'll be right back. Hey, are you the proud parent of a high school junior or sophomore who is also an aspiring artist or creative? Do you worry that maybe your child's artistic passion might hinder their chances at getting into a dream college? Look no further than the Creative College Journey. This is a service designed to help guide your child through the college application process. We understand the unique challenges that come with being an artistic applicant, and we are dedicated to ensuring that your child's application stands out from the rest. From portfolio review to essay editing and understanding the ins and outs of pre-screens, we offer a range of personalized services to suit your child's needs. Now, don't let the college application process overwhelm you and your child. Feel free to sign up for the Creative College journey today and take the first steps towards a successful artistic future. Visit our website, www.creativecollegejourney.com to learn more and start your journey today.
no yeah I think like how much like mental real estate I like that had over me of being like oh if I don't get into one of these like you know top school if I'm not able to like post my little like oh look where I'm committed posts and like have people be like oh my god wow then my life is over but like I don't know I'm like infinitely more impressed with the choices that I made not going to like because I could have gone to University of San Francisco and that has a certain amount of like whatever attached to it but I couldn't afford that and I like did I want to do that did I want to be in like you know x amount of miles away from my family for like a program I had not cared about even like a little bit and everybody was always like oh you'll grow where you're planted they said that the Guilty. entire time and that like fall when we were black. guilty. No, and you did. And I every time I remember I would tell people, I'm like, if they say it one more time, like I'm burning something down. This is crazy. Like I will only grow if I'm at UCLA like, or if I'm at Carnegie Mellon. But like it really is true, which is so annoying. But like I, I, you know, I try to live in the like everything happens for a reason mindset because I do think that like it obviously led to good things. But even like, I don't know. I just think that it's important for there to even be not have that like disaster mindset of like oh going to a Cal State or going to community college or not going to college is the worst thing that can happen because like truly it's not it's so unserious making that choice um to not go to like an Ivy League and I just think that that's not like dialogue that's uh, happening this is why we are having this dialogue right now for that yeah. exact reason <laughs> is that there's so many options going direct to industry right. getting a job especially for this upcoming generation mm -hmm. who had this real shift in their lives with the two years of the pandemic. Oh, yeah. You know, there's something to be said of taking a gap year and getting a job, like, and just building mm -hmm. out those social skills, truly, for, for no other reason, building out the adulting mm -hmm. skills before going to college or not going to college, like, that time of, like, just working and earning an income and finding your way through could be super valuable for the right student. And again, it's going back to like, well, what do you need as a student, not what's impressive? When were you pulled by journalism? And how quickly did you figure out, like, did you have to change majors? Did you have to, like, officially do anything in that regard? Like, what, what happened for you getting into journalism? So, you know, like I said, I decided to go to Long Beach that whole summer. I was, like, mad um, that I was doing that. But we had to do a... Um, like register I think they called it SOAR I want to say which was spooky because there was like an OSHA thing called SOAR so I was like oh my god but we had to do it over the summer and it was like basically a day to like get to know the campus like meet some other freshmen and then you would pick your classes and that was like really the chunk of the day and um, at the beginning of the day they're like you're the major you got in with is on your paper but if you want to change it like you need to let somebody know and I like you know me I am so type <laughs> A like it, there is no world in which I just make these rash decisions without having like four to six weeks to plan for it but I was like they handed me like my list of classes for pre-law I was like oh my god this sounds horrible because I think specifically like Long Beach's program is like geared towards criminal law and I was like I definitely don't want to do that but because I wanted you know immigration yeah. was more what I was focused on and I was like, like I'm gonna change my major like I don't want this the people around me like I just it wasn't the vibe that I felt like I needed so I like went up to the orientation leader I was like I'm going to change my major and they're like to what and I was like so that is unclear at this moment and I just need you to like you know walk me to somewhere where I need where I can change it and they're like okay like that's fine you don't need to know your major but you need to know like which college you're gonna be in and I was like okay like liberal arts seems like you know where I should live um, and then they were like, okay. And I knew I had to take a psychology class just because of the like um, yeah. requirements for like graduation. So I was like, I'll just be psychology. Like for now, again, had no interest. Like I took psychology class. It was great. I had no interest in it. And I knew that that's not what I was going to. I was not existing in a world in which I was going to be like a therapist or something. So I like changed my major. And then I was like, okay, I'm psychology right now. It was like July at this point. I'll give myself until like September 1st to like pick the major I'm going to graduate with. And I literally like printed out the list of majors for the College of Liberal Arts and I started like hacking through it. I was like, okay, English, I know I want to do it as a minor, but that's not really something I want to major in just because the classes didn't really speak to me. Like it was just like a lot of like literary like analysis classes where I was like, I want to yeah. write stuff. And then I hacked through it all. And I was like, journalism communications was what I was left with. And I was like, communications is good because like it's broad. I can like still figure it out while I'm like, doing classes and not just like wasting my time and money and then I was like but journalism like like I said I had no reason to believe that I would be even a little bit good at it I'd never interviewed anybody I had never like written a story I had never like I did not know what the inverted pyramid was there was nothing I knew but I was like it kind of sounds interesting 
And like a lot of it was that I had beef with the way that journalism was being done at that point. And like, I still do, you know, I talk about it a lot in my classes and people are like, always like, you should not say that. And like, I don't care. I think that there's a lot of mishandling of the way we cover marginalized communities in the sense that like the, the only time that you see stories about marginalized people is when they're in harm or doing harm. And I think that that perpetuates a lot of issues systemically that we see. And I was like, I think that you know, the root of the problem is just like the way that we've been trained to like talk about marginalized people, but also like there's not people from these communities doing this reporting. And I was like, okay, so I can do that because I understand what it's like coming from an immigrant household. And also I'm a white passing Latino. If anybody is like needs to assert their privilege in this situation, like I need to do it because like for some people, it could be like for death for them to do these types of stories where like for me, it's I don't suffer from the same biases that are rooted in every system. Um, so I was like, I'll do it. Like, I'll take the intro class. I think like our section or like department was journalism and public relations. And I actually think first I committed to public relations because it was like all the same classes except for like a few your senior year. I was like, I can, I can switch if like I, you know, I can do PR if I don't like journalism because it's pretty close to communication. And I took the intro journalism class and it was so bad. Every story that came back was like horrible. <laughs> like I was so embarrassed. But I really liked it. It was like the first time that I was like really, really bad at something, but I wasn't like discouraged by that. I was like, but I really liked the process of editing. It made sense to me the way that we, like, we wrote in the inverted pyramid, like leads made sense to me. And this was spring 2020. So like I, when I started taking my journalism classes, like halfway through was when the pandemic started. So I think that that really also informs like my trajectory because I had so much time to do yeah. literally nothing. And I was like, I can take time to get better at this because like, I like it. So I'm going to, you know, sit down with this story that is horrible for like six hours and like figure out what I can do to make it better. And I would like send it back to my professor and be like, hey, you do not need to like change my grade. But like, I want feedback on this. If you can tell me if I'm at least getting better a little bit. And I did. I got like a lot better. And like our training was mostly in news, which is not where I live typically. But I was like, I know how to do this. And like, I understand what I like and what I don't like. And that kind of just sparked the journey within journalism that I went on. But it was like truly so random, but would not have happened had I not gone to Cal State Long Beach because a lot of schools don't have journalism programs. Like they have newspapers, but you're usually yeah. like in English or communications or like political science. Where you're actually yeah. studying the craft of journalism. You're you're oh, literally yeah. describing the creative process. So like the only <laughs> way to actually get better in any creative act is by doing and being okay being bad at it you have to be okay having a really awful first pass really maybe really mm -hmm. awful like 30 passes it might take 30 passes before you mm -hmm. even get anything legible or readable but that is the process is like rinse repeat rinse repeat keep going um so it's really interesting like yeah. this idea that you almost like fell into this medium and what sparked you was you're willing to like be bad at it and get better at it. I tell the first grade I got back was like a C and I was like, my life is over. But it was like, which is not even bad. C's get degrees. <laughs> Come on. Like, but I was so embarrassed. It was like a we were like rewrite it was, you know, it was Trump era. So we were like rewriting a lead, which is like the opening graph of a story for, you know for those who thank you don't know. thank you journalism 101 um, we were rewriting and it was so bad like i i looked at it recently because i was just like curious i was like that is actually so embarrassing but it was like okay i didn't i wasn't born not like knowing how to write a leap i wasn't born with these skills but it was fun so i was like you know what i'll rewrite it seven times if that's what it takes and then that'll be and fine. you're so <laughs> smart you're so intelligent you're so you're you are i mean like there's no de denying that part but um, actually it's not about intelligence. It's about perseverance. It absolutely okay. is about, are yeah. you willing to take the licks and still keep doing the process? So, ooh, this is exciting. I want to follow up on, I have one more question about sort of this time, because it was really interesting, especially during the pandemic, you were still like stoking creative fires, both in theater and in writing. And can you sort of talk to us about why you were sort of developing plays, you were doing like play readings and a lot of Zoom podcasts and things like that. Like in the midst of being super busy at school, why were you spending extra time meeting up with people and reading plays? And correct me if I'm wrong, you were facilitating 
a lot of these sort of Zoom readings of both your plays and your peers' plays. Like, tell me a little bit about what was bringing you back into sort of like that theater world. I mean, I kind of think that I never like really left it. Like the last show that I performed in, and I think it'll be the last show I ever perform in, to be honest. I'm just I think for my mental health. And everybody's always like, oh, you can do community theater. I'm good. Like, I, I support those who want to dabble. That will not be me. Uh, at least not in this way. But I, the last show I did was Newsies. And it was like the summer before I started college. Um, but then we had to take like an arts class the first semester. Or some people took it at other points. But I took it my first semester. And it was a theater class. And it was so funny because I had just watched Gilmore Girls. And my professor was Liz from Gilmore Girls. Shout out Kathleen. She is the kindest person ever. But I was like geeking. I was like, oh, my God, I just finished the show like a week ago. And now Liz is teaching me. Side note. <laughs> um, but it was like it was like an acting 101 class. Like, I don't think we really ever did anything except kind of like explored that like creative space. And it, it was like more about like problem solving creatively than anything. So that's always what those classes are. Because there was like engineers that were in that class. Like it was not yeah. a class for performers. It was like simply just to like stretch that muscle, which I think is great. I think everybody needs to do that. But I don't know. I was taking that class and I had like heard about rumblings of like they had a Cal State Long Beach has a thing called Theater Threshold. Um, but they did student produced work. And I was like, oh, we did drama comp in high school with Ryan Miller. And our show was like, you know, very well received. And we kind of kind of kind of had all made an agreement that if we wanted to like do these shows like at our separate colleges or whatever in the future, that, like that was fine. Like we were all like, we all put in some work to it. Like put your name to it. That is fine. Which, you know, legally is that sound? Probably not. But I was like, let me pitch the show to them. And if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. And then the show got accepted to do in the spring semester. And I was directing it as well, um, which was crazy, especially during that time. Our only show that we did was the day that campus shut down. So it was like March 13th, 2020 was the one show that we had. So it was like that time was also really crazy. And I was taking an advanced playwriting class that I like weaseled my way into in the spring semester as well. And I wrote something about not getting into college because I, I was still like angsty about it. And it was like called We Regret to Inform You. It never saw the light of day beyond like a few podcast readings that we did. Um, but I that was like our project for the semester was to write a full play. And I really liked it. I had only done playwriting in drama cop before, but I was like, I really enjoy writing, like doing creative writing. That was my minor as well. So I was like, I can see myself doing playwriting. I just like, I have not done it enough to where I feel confident about it. And then when everything went online, it was like very pandemic -y. like it was like March to like May 2020. We were all kind of just like looking for ways to like have social outlets. But then I think I had something I wanted to read and it was something original for like a class assignment. And then other people were like, oh, I have this thing. I also would want to be read. But that kind of wasn't like the venue for that group was doing already published work. So then I was like, OK, we can start a group that is like for non-published works. I started a Facebook group. I do not use Facebook <laughs> anymore. But at this point, I was like, I'll start a Facebook group. Whoever wants to join, like, we'll create a day to do it. And we picked Thursdays at 7.30. We're still going semi-strong. Um, and yeah, we just kind of like, it was a very random group that got together, which I kind of feel like was better because I was like, I really like, you know, I don't know you enough to where your opinion is going to like wreck me if it's not great. Totally. And it was crazy at first because everybody had so much to read. Like we would have to make like agendas. And that's kind of where I stepped in as like the facilitator. I was like, okay, everybody needs to like send me your scripts. If you want something right by this time or you will not get to read it this week. And it was crazy. We would be on these calls for like, five hours and it was like we were all so like thirsty to like be social and like be able to like do these things we were working on at a time when like we did not know when that was going to happen again and it was really great like we did some like zoom performances we did like a lot of workshops of things and it was just like really cool to see how creative these people were in a way that like I hadn't known them to be because we were all or most of us were like musical theater majors so I was like I know you can act but like I did not know you could write like this yeah, it kind of like even as classes started going back in person, like we still had meetings. I wrote another play that was also done at Cal State Long Beach my last semester. Um, so like a year ago. And that was something I completely workshopped with that group from start to finish. Like I had like an idea for I really like Baja Blast. And I was like, I want to write a scene that like somehow works that in. And it was also based on a story I had written for Dig Magazine, which where I was the editor. And it was about like people getting married for FAFSA, which is a real thing because you can only get be independent for FAFSA if you're married. And I was like, I feel like that's a good rom-com idea. So then I wrote like a scene 
And then everybody's like, oh, like, this is great. Like, you should write it. And then I did. And then it got performed, which was cool. I did not direct it this time, which I quite enjoyed. <laughs> like, I just got to sit back and watch it happen. Oh, that's, I was going to say, that's the sweet spot for the playwright. <laughs> when you just get to, like, write it, it so comes good. out of your brain, throw it on the page, and then here you go. I showed it to rehearsal, like, four times. <laughs> like, it sounds great, guys. I, like, I don't know what to say. Good job. And it was great. It was like so nice to be able to do that. And I still to this day, I'm not like going to be a playwright. You know, I love journalism. I want a staff writer job. But like it was cool to be able to do these things where I'm like, I do like doing creative writing. Like that's what my minor was in. And I just like writing plays, I like reading plays. Like I'm going to do them. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just kind of like I think all of us were like so hungry for some way to be creative. And it was like such a desperate time. So it was a very ragtag group that came together, but it was really great. And I'm like, to this day, I think that that is so cool. I just, I loved it for so many reasons. Like, A, the fact that just because you had gone into journalism and communications and creative writing minor, that especially at a school like Cal State Long Beach, there's access to student clubs or there's access to other majors or other communities. I think we we think of colleges within a large university as being siloed, but it doesn't actually have to be the case. You might have to weasel your way into a class or two, but it's not impossible. Mm -hmm. Send the emails. I've gotten into so many classes by just being like, can I be in this class? And they're like, I guess. And then I show up. Because I will say as a professor, what I all I ever wanted was students who wanted to be in the class, right? Like the idea of having students who want to be in class. Oh, my God. It makes everything so much easier, better, more joyous for everyone. But I also just love that you guys, you guys had the moxie to to do it yourselves. Like you weren't waiting for an opportunity to come your way. You made an opportunity in the midst of a really dark time and a really heavy time. And I, I remember, you know, the handfuls of times I came into either one of Pua's readings or one of your readings. Like I just, I loved it. I was so impressed and inspired by watching the youngins, you know, really Take the reins and make something for themselves for no other reason than for the enjoyment of being creative together. It was really cool. Yeah. And I think like from that group, like four or five shows have like actually been performed places, which is like pretty cool because we were kind of just doing it like workshop things. But like ideas were birthed there and then brought into like real places where I don't I think people have got paid for it, too. Like I feel like people have got money from Things we was, workshopped was just like super cool. Yeah, I'd like do it. I don't know. It was fun. And it was also like very, I think, needed at that time. So it's cool to see what it's like turned into. We're kind of all busy now. But yeah, it was like a very nice I, I thing love it. To have. I love it. So I, I really want to talk finance in this podcast. I really want to like mm-hmm. lay out the realities of what it costs to go to certain four-year universities, what what that looks like. So I'm asking everyone, essentially, now that you're on the other side of undergrad, do you feel like you overspent, underspent, or did you get it just right? And I think you have a unique point of view because you actually finished Cal State Long Beach in three years rather than four. So tell me, like, where do you fall? I think I will say this is the one thing I will always pat myself on the back for. I slayed that. I think that, like, it was not something I planned on at the time. I was like, going to Cal State Long Beach was like the most affordable option, but there was like a lot of other reasons I went at the end of the day. But I think like once I got there, there was a lot of talk about finances, which I think was amazing. Like there was a lot of counselors, professors, admin people that were very candid about like what it costs to go there, which I think is important, especially out of school like Cal State Long Beach, where it's a lot of non-traditional students, a lot of students from low-income backgrounds. And like, I knew what it cost to go there every semester. And I knew, you know, I'm not going to like be like, I did it all on my own. I had parental help, which was like, I'm very lucky and privileged to have that. And I knew like what money I had to spend. And I knew how long it would take me to graduate. And I was like, I feel like we can get it down. And just there is no like, there's like a recommendation that you do 15 units per semester. And that gets you to graduate in four years. But the max you can do per semester is 18. And you can do winter and summer classes. And I was like, okay, so I really just have to make up 30 units in, in you know, any one of those semesters semesters yep. and like little spots. Yeah. So I always did. Um, I did a full uh, unit load every semester, which was 18 units, which honestly, coming from OSHO, it was not bad. I was bored my first semester because I only did 16 units. I was like, I need something else. Like, I can't. 
only be doing this. Um, and I did winter and summer classes, I think every winter and summer that I had. And I did those at community colleges, which was big because that is like a great money saver as well, where it was like, I think if I could do one class winter at Cal State Long Beach, which was like a thousand dollars, which is crazy um, for like a six week class. But then at Golden West College, where I did most of my classes, it was like $300 for an entire class, which was like amazing. Um, and there were classes where I was like, I don't need to do this at Cal State Long Beach because it's like my math requirement or like my science requirement. Like this is not, this is something that is, you know, I need to graduate, but it's not something that I feel like is make or break where I take it. Um, and there's also great education at these community colleges. Well, ding, here, so. ding, especially in California, yeah. in this region. Oh, the yeah. The community college network is outrageous. And even for creative arts, Crazy. there are some incredible professors teaching theater at community college and you have access yeah. to performances that you maybe wouldn't have at other universities. Like there's so much to be said that is okay. amazing, both from price point and access and opportunity at the community college level. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Like even at the Cal State level, like a lot of my professors in journalism were also teaching at USC. So I was like, I'm getting my degree for significantly less money. Like maybe a tenth of it and I'm having the same education and like I just I don't think that that can be overstated enough so like I would say like my big piece of you know wisdom for people looking at colleges like look at your professors look at your classes don't look at the school it does not matter see what qualifications your professors have and what you're going to get out of it don't look at like where you're going to go I digress but yeah I kind of like was able to I talked a lot with my counselors again I was in there my first semester I was like I want to graduate in not four years like how can I do that and they were like, well, you're going to have to like, you know, load pretty heavy each semester. I was like, girl, I went to OSHA. Don't you worry about me. And I did. And I took like, I want to, I think I did like 20 units outside of Cal State Long Beach. I also had my AP units, which sure. was very helpful. And I was able to kind of like not cheat the system, but you have your like major requirements and your minor requirements. And you also have your university requirements. And I was able to double count a lot of them. And I really did not have ever come into a point where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to graduate in three years because I took control of it from the beginning. I know what I need to do. And if I run into any issues, like I won't because I had a spreadsheet from day one. Like Google Sheets got me my degree. And that's all I can say on the matter. But I also applied for a lot of scholarships and there's a lot of like affinity groups have scholarships too, which I think is like important for people to look into. I applied to like Latino scholarships. The most scholarship I got was from internally from the school, but it was just like a lot of picking into different pots that I knew had resources because there is so much money available that people just don't go into because they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to qualify for that. Like try it. But like, I think that there's just like so much resource available and like it kind of does suck that you do have to really like put in a lot of work to get these things. But I mean, would you rather like put in a lot of time and, you know, not have debt or like not put in the effort and have like $20,000? Yeah, that's what I always off. say. Like if there's a, you know, a thousand dollar scholarship and that is not to be like, oh, well, that's chump change. Like, no, it's not. It's a thousand dollars. thousand dollars. One hour. If it took you rent. one hour <laughs> to do an application for a thousand dollar scholarship and you got it. I don't know anyone who's working at Starbucks making $1,000 an hour. To me, again, if you just look at nope. the sheer numbers, you're like, this is a worthwhile use of your time. And it's valuating your time in such a way that really, because I know there's the burnout of applications. There's a burnout, especially in the spring of senior year. People are just like, I already did the application. Don't make me do the scholarship stuff. But yeah. it's just keeping in mind. You have to. That sort of free money, that found money can really make such a difference at the end of your college mm -hmm. time because you, you you just want to get as much of it paid for as possible. Ooh. Even if it's a month of a loan payment, you don't have to pay, take that month. I just cannot like overstate the importance of these things because it's like, I don't know, it's awkward to talk about money, yeah. especially like with your parents, it's awkward sometimes, but like you have to do it because it's going to hurt everybody at the end of the day if you don't take agency over your finances like that. And like I worked throughout, I always had like at least one job throughout college, which, you know, was, I think it was good yeah. for me to have that just to like learn the value of this, how much I work to get this amount of money. Am I going to blow that on like one dinner? No, let me like, you know, cook my own food. And like one of the more important parts of college is like not even... The classes that you're taking it's like the life experience you have to walk away with so i a big reason i decided to go to grad school was because i didn't have debt like i think had i 
even walked away with like a thousand dollars of debt I probably wouldn't have gone to grad school because I'm like I'm not gonna add on to that and right. you know like put myself in a worse position than I'm already. So. I love it. And because again, it goes back to like having being in the black financially and understanding your finances, you then get to make decisions to benefit you and your life accordingly. Mm -hmm. And the fact that one year after most of your peers are graduating from undergrad, potentially with thousands, maybe tens, maybe hundreds of thousands of debt, you will walk away with, I'm presuming a relatively small amount of debt, and your master's. Yeah, hopefully small. But also, like, for grad school, that was another thing that I was like, I'm not going to go if I'm not getting, like, at least half of my tuition covered. You know, to be candid, like, I applied for grad school. I applied to Northwestern and Berkeley. That's it. Um, and I got into both, which was cool. I had never experienced the 100% success rate. <laughs> it's a college application. And I got the same amount of scholarship from both. I got $40,000 from both. But I'm an in-state resident for Berkeley. And it's just like significantly less expensive. It is still sure. very expensive because the UCs are crazy expensive in comparison to the Cal States. But, you know, the, like even one year at Northwestern was like $90,000 and like $40,000 was not going to cover it. So I was like, I can't go there. That's fine. You know, I liked the Berkeley program more for me at that point. So I was like, you know what? It's a win. Cool. It's, it's, a, it's a total win. And yeah. the idea that you can then make, and for me, undergrad really is for, exploration for adulting for getting mm -hmm. your feet under you getting your sea legs for what your life as an adult could be and mm -hmm. grad school is a place to really double down on a focus and i'm not surprised mm -hmm. that when in your really broad search from undergrad that there wasn't as much return on investment as a really narrow sharpshooting kind of approach for grad school. You knew exactly what you were looking for. You knew why you were the candidate for it. And boom, you right. found placement into, you know, really impressive. And I'll put the impressive in quotes, but two really impressive schools. And you knew why you were going there, why you wanted to apply. And you can really start to see where that kind of focus, that mindset makes such a difference. Night and day. Like, I think I when you like were talking about just like this whole thing, I was thinking back on like, it is crazy that I got into both of the schools for grad school, but it really was just that difference of like, I was so focused on journalism in undergrad and I was like, my clips were good. I'd spent a lot of time. I had good editor positions. Like I had the experience and like I wanted to do it like in my applications. Like I'm sure it came through that. Like I wanted to go to grad school and I wanted to be a journalist. We're like in musical theater. I know that did not come through because that's not what I wanted. Like I did not want to be a performer. And that's fine. That was like not my path. I think like, you know, I am so happy to see people still performing. Alyssa playing I mean on Broadway. And that's so like cool that people were able to take that path. That was not my path. That was not what I should have taken. That was not like in any way what was right for me and that's where often those rejections they're rarely about your talent they're rarely about your even potential it it often you know outside of the the, the numbers because again especially in musical theater those numbers are harvard level like they're oh. they're crazy oh my god Carnegie is probably harder to get it like because that's like how many spots and like how many people are and how many people are amazing that are applying. i mean that's sort of what it is in what is arguably or not arguably is in fact a subjective art form, right? What is good in musical theater is an entirely subjective. What is a good audition is entirely subjective. I do think what you're saying about your statement of purpose, your personal statements, it really comes through. You can see on the other side of the table. Oh yeah. If you're like here for it, if you're hungry for it, and if you're not, it's, it's usually an easy way to, get a, a no and it's not because you're untalented it's because the the drive's not there or the reason why you should be in that kind of really narrow specified program maybe just isn't a match and sometimes the the world the admissions the universe whatever call whatever you want to call it it really does nudge you in in the directions you need to go oh for sure yeah and i think like i don't know even like as an editor like i hired people and i always looked for not even the people that had like the best experience. I was like, if you're writing in your cover letter that like this is the type of magazine you want to write for, this is the type of experience you want. I don't really care like what your experience is. I think in nine times out of 10 in these like creative fields, people are looking for the want to do better more than somebody who's like so affected by, you know, and burnt out, but they're like really good, you know? And I was, I was not 
horrible. Like, I wasn't going in there bombing no. his audition. But, like, I just did not care. Like, I was so not into it. And I so didn't want it in the same way that the people who, you know, ultimately got into these programs that I really wanted to get into, I quote her ad, got into. And it was like, you know, they were willing to kill in a way that I just was not. And that's fine. But that was just, like, I think hard for me to, like, wrap my yeah. head around at the time which is why I was very nightmarish in those few months. <laughs> you found your way. You found your way, Bella Arnold. You found your way. Yeah, eventually. Yeah. Um, I'm sort of curious. Now, you come from such unique experiences. You're the daughter of an immigrant. You have experience in musical theater. Your time at Cal State Long Beach, your time in journalism, being an editor, being a researcher. What do you sort of imagine your unique industry pathways are in front of you? What, what do you think is going to come down the pike? I think that there is another thing I really like about journalism is it is yeah. so broad. And like at Berkeley, we have different tracks that we take. And it's not, it's not like a hard and fast thing. People dip into other things. But like for our thesis projects, we have to pick a track. And I'm narrative writing, but like within that, there's yeah. so much. Like, even though I'm like, I know I want to be a writer, it's crazy how many different paths you could take. I think for me, like, I really am enjoying doing this investigative work, but I don't know that that's necessarily like where I want to live because it's a lot emotionally, mentally. There's a lot of, you're seeing people on their worst days, you're yeah. seeing people die. And I think it's important to do the work so that going forward, there's less of that happening. But I, like I said, I really just enjoy writing stories about marginalized people having joy, which I think like seems so simple. And like people write it off as silly. People are like, oh, magazine stuff is like not as serious. It's like the fluff work, which like, you know, a lot of times it is fluff, like a service story about like where to get your nails done in New York. That's fluff and that's fine, but yeah. it helps people. Journalism is all about disseminating information for the people who do not have that information. So if like me disseminating where the best nail salon is is going to help somebody who does not know where the best nail salon is, that's journalism, baby. Sorry. Um, is a Pulitzer winning? Maybe. <laughs> like it just why not? The way you write exactly. It. Why not? Who knows? Oh my yeah. god, choose joy. I just I don't know, and I think that that's so. Like there's such a um, there's like a lot of old school journalism. I consider myself part of new school journalism, which is you know a heavily controversial thing. But there is so much, like, emphasis on, like, if it bleeds, it leads. Like, we're telling stories about, like, things happening. And I just think that that is so upsetting to hear. And it's, like, I still hear people who are, like, my age who are saying that. And I think that that's such, like, an, a dated approach. And that is the reason people don't trust us, amongst other things, is because, like, the people who, <laughs> we're ousting people who are, like, only reading stories about people who look like them dying and people who look like them killing, which is not, you know, even... A shred of what these communities have and I don't know I think that like I, I'm in a race in journalism class right now and we like read this thing that was somebody was saying if you're a Latino and you're covered by a journalist you're an immigrant and I think that that's just like the perfect way to encapsulate the way that marginalized people are covered in journalism I just want to be able to write things about people who are you know doing great things like there's a lot of great small businesses even that like, you could do a profile on like it's these small things that like just make a world of difference and yeah i also like covering books because like obviously i'm like really like, into reading i think the literary industry is fascinating but i think that even kind of goes hand in hand there's not a lot of representation in the publishing space and to like see that that's like starting to change a little bit is like very affirming so yeah i see myself in like a staff writer position at a magazine in the feature section but i also really like editing i really enjoyed being an editor and like hopefully in the future i'll get back to that but you know I will take whatever job I am handed. I also need to sell. I, I, I hear that and I understand that. But Bella, that was like the most beautiful mission statement I've heard in a minute. The, the idea yeah. that you're so clear about how you want to use your voice, your power, your privilege in, with such clarity and such a sense of why why it's going to affect people, how it's going to benefit marginalized communities and the communities at large, right? Like that that trickles down to everyone. I, I don't know many people your age who have that uh, clarity. Truly, truly, it's exciting. Okay, so I really think it's important to like go back and sort of imagine that 17-year-old Bella, knowing where you are now, like, what's that one thing you wish you had understood about the college application process before you started? And what advice would you give to that 16, 17, 18-year-old Bella now? Like, what would current Bella give that younger Bella in terms of advice? I feel like 
you know, I think that so much of my story was dependent on the bad thing that happened. But I also think that like there was so much strife that I went through that was like so unnecessary. And I think that just like, you know, it's it's never that serious. I think it's like the moral of the story that like at the end of the day, <laughs> it's going to be OK. Like take a deep breath. And I don't know. I think just to like understand that there's like value in the schools that are not like as celebrated Specifically in OSHA, there was so much emphasis. And every year we had to do these like workshops about like, here's what classes you need to take to get into like UCLA and like the UCs. And like I ended up at a UC, which was like, you know, cool. But I think that there was like so much emphasis on these like, you know, prestigious programs like the Ivy Leagues, the Ivy adjacent. And like literally that doesn't matter. I graduated with a bachelor's degree. It does not matter from where I'm good at my job. That's cool. <laughs> you know, employers seem to like that. Um, and also just like, I think looking at like what your life experience is going to be and not just like what the programs are, because like I said, like, I think I'm infinitely happier at a place like Cal State Long Beach being around people who have similar backgrounds than I that I do um, or who don't have similar backgrounds than me that are going to like, you know, but I think like my life experience was like so much better having gone to Cal State Long Beach or somewhere like Cal State Long Beach. And I think that that's really important. Also. Be empowered to like ask questions in these interviews to like ask like what is a college experience going to be like for somebody like me who comes from this background who looks like this who da 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 like you're auditioning the schools as much as they're auditioning you at the end of the day they want your money when you get into these schools so make sure it's going somewhere and make sure you're opening your purse for the right people like do not feel bullied into like being like oh please let me in like I love this school everything about it is great because you know what it probably isn't every institution has issues. But you need to like figure out which issues are going to be the ones that are the most detriment to your quality of life. Everyone's got baggage. Every institution's got baggage. You got to find the ones that match. <laughs> Much. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's literally what I'm trying to preach is this idea of like, it's actually not that deep. Even if your worst case scenario happens, you have so many options. There are so many options. And when you have that abundant mindset and you can see multiple paths in front of you, if you can just calm and actually look what's in front of you, you'll make such wiser decisions. Beyond that, beyond those four years you're going to spend, maybe more, maybe less, it's not going to matter. Because at the end of the day, like, and like, even you don't need a degree, but if you are going to get a degree, you're getting a degree regardless. It doesn't matter if it's like an 88% acceptance rate or an 8% acceptance rate. Like you are getting a degree in something and that has value. And even if you're not, you're working somewhere and that has value. Like there is value in quite literally everything because everything is an ecosystem and everything needs to exist for the other thing to exist. So, And it's your job as that young creative, as that young academic, as that, you know, young writer to take on whatever's in front of you and and get the most out of it. And so you're not sitting in a community college classroom, arms folded, going like, well, this isn't blank institution mm -hmm. because at the end of the day seizing the opportunities that you do have in front of you and mm -hmm. just milking them for all they're worth and i see so many students who are really passive in that um part of the process unlike i mean i that's bella arnold's superpower like you were not passive in your education um you're <laughs> really passionate about your education and it and it shows i really do think it shows mm -hmm. thank you Bella Arnold, I am so grateful to know you. Truly, I'm I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for this new path for you. I can't wait to see what you do and what you write. If people want to get a hold of you or read your writing and see what you're up to, how might they reach you? I have a website that I do not update as much as I should, but that's where I post all my work. Like once it's gone out, I it's bellaarnold.com. I'm also trying to use Twitter more because that's like journalist, like Super Bowl is posting on Twitter. Um, and it's Bella A. Writes is my Twitter. Awesome. I'll make sure those links are are in the podcast episode. Bella, thank you for coming and spending this time with me today. This was a delight. And that was the end of our first interview episode of the Creative College Journey podcast. We hope this episode with Bella Arnold was beneficial to you. And thank you, the listener, for taking time out of your busy day to listen. If you are in need of some encouragement, guidance, and inspiration for your college journey and would like to work with me, Scott, don't hesitate to reach out to our website, www.creativecollegejourney.com, to schedule a free, no obligation, legitimately no obligation, one-hour consultation 
to find out the many ways that my company can help you on your path. And you can also find me, Scott Barnhart, at Instagram, at Scott Barnhart, making really silly reels every now and then. If you enjoyed our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps others find us. And be sure to come back in the coming weeks for more discussions about creative college admissions, lowering the temperature on the process, and the many industry pathways and transferable skills that a creative education in life can offer. Don't forget, it's not where you go to school, but how you go to school that counts. Thank you. Say it again. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Bella.